as you know, uh, there is chaos abounding. And it seems like we struggle to find the place and what it is that God is doing. I want to share with you a passage of scripture, if you'll go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers. God first gave me uh, this, this passage of scripture. I, I preached a sermon on this years and years ago. Matter of fact, um, it was right after Hurricane Lily had hit. And uh, we were down on the coast at uh, Sippermore Point. Uh, working with some of the people who were affected by the hurricane, working with Pastor Bobby Hodnett, helping to restore a uh, his church that had been hit by the hurricane and had brought some relief aid to the people of that area. And um, sitting out there in the marsh of South Louisiana, the Lord gave me this passage of Scripture. And ever since uh, Thursday, it's just uh, every time I turn on the TV, every time I speak to people, this scripture has just been burning in my heart. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Family of Grace exists. Um, <clears throat> because Family of Grace does not exist because there was not another place for you to go to church. Okay? In Alexandria or Pineville. That's clear. Matter of fact, when we planted Family of Grace Church, the recurring question was, why do we need another church when there are so many already? We, we are the seat of denominationalism, uh, the Catholics, the Assembly of Gods, uh, the Baptists. Uh, we're all located here. The Pentecostals have their statewide area here. We are the seat of denominationalism, yet it's not the solution. Our churches are all dying all around us. So why does Family of Grace exist? It's not like the church that we are currently building on top of the mountain in uh, Buena Vista, Peru, where there is no church, there is no cult, there's no cults, there's no Catholics, there's no Mormons, there's no Seventh-day Adventist yet. There is no church. It's, it's pioneering at its very best. I mean, there's no church. The first thing in the name of Jesus that will be on top of that mountain is Family in Gracia. So Family in Gracia at Buena Vista, Peru, exists basically because there is nothing. There was a need. Family was removing there. It's not why... Family of Grace exists here in Alexandria. Family of Grace exists in Alexandria because of this passage of Scripture. Now let's read it here, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to summarize kind of what happened. But we're in the book of Numbers, chapter 16, number 16, and we are going to begin today in verse 41. The next day, the entire camp of Israel, the community of the Israelites, complained about Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Verse 42. When the community assembled against them, Moses and Aaron turned towards the tent of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the Lord's glory appeared. One of the reasons that Family of Grace exists is because we want to see the glory of God manifested in central Louisiana. And so as we go through these verses, it says... Moses and Aaron then went out in front of the tent, in front of the tent of meeting. And the Lord said to Moses, hey, Moses, just get away from the whole community. Get away from them. I've had enough so that I may consume them instantly. Now, here's what's interesting. But what did Moses and Aaron do? They fell down on their face and they began to intercede. And they begin to pray. In verse 46, 
I mean, we fill in the blanks, and Moses told Aaron, after they fell down on their face, he's told Aaron in verse 46, he said, take up the censers, the fire pans, the, and place fire from the altar in it. Add the incense in it. And go quickly, go quickly to the community and make atonement for them because the wrath of, of the Lord has come. The wrath of the Lord has come and the plague has begun. Would you underline that in your Bible? The plague has begun. So verse 48 says, He went and stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. <clears throat> now, let's talk about that. Let me back up and give you a little context here. If you go back to Numbers 14, they left, the, they left Egypt. They left Egypt as slaves. They left slavery and embraced freedom. Miracle after miracle happened. God parted the Red Sea. They went over on dry ground. Pharaoh's army came and the whole army was consumed. They went out. The water was bitter. They couldn't go anymore. God made the water sweet at Marah. We go further, they were hungry, they didn't have anything to eat. Every day, God would send them manna from heaven. They didn't have to work for it, it would just fall from heaven. What happened? They began to complain. All we have is bread to eat. Now, it wasn't just like your white bread that you eat, or wheat bread that you eat. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, it had a great taste to it. They began to complain. They said, we want meat, man. But at least when we was in Egypt, we had onions and garlic and fish to eat. Well, there's something to get excited about, just some onions and garlic. Let's just go back, man. You remember we had onions and garlic. And so, basically, they went to spy out the land. As they went to spy out the land, they came back and they said, it's just like God said it was. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Matter of fact, we brought back fruit from the region. They brought back grapes of Eshkel. And they were so large. Now listen, we're trying to create hybrids today. This is the original hybrid because it was from heaven. It was so big, this cluster of grapes, that men had to cut down this cluster and put a pole through the... Boy, now Sam's don't even have anything that big. And they had two men had to carry it back on a pole. And they came back and they said, it's just like God said it was. But we can't take it. Because they are greater than we are. We're like grasshoppers in their own sight. And so the people <clears throat> gathered together and they said, look, Moses brought us out here. After all these miracles, brought us out here to kill us. Now stay with me because I want you to understand the context. And so... But Joshua and Caleb stood up, they, those, the whole crowd, the, ten, the 12 that went, 10 of them said, let's elect us a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. You remember we had onions and garlic, some fish. But at least we wouldn't die there. Well, wait a minute. Let me tell you about the reality of this story. They forgot that they were killing their babies. They had forgot the cry of the midnight hour when the mom's babies were being pulled from them and they were massacring their male children so there would be no reproduction of the children of Israel. They forgot about all that. They forgot about making bricks from sunup to sundown. They forgot about the torture that they lived under. And they said, let's select a new leader and go back. 
But Joshua and Caleb rose up and said, no, we can do this. And they just about wanted to kill them. God came on the scene, told Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to take care of this bunch. We're going to start over. God, and Moses began to intercede. At least four times that I know of, Moses fell to his face and began to intercede on behalf of the people. And so God said, okay, then I'm going to let them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. One year, you know, they went out there. And so, and then they said, well, no, Lord, when they received their punishment, they were like, oh, no, okay, Lord, we'll go now. And so they ever got the whole tribe together. When God told them he was going to let them wander out there in the wilderness for 40 years, they were never going to go in. Okay, Lord, we'll go now, we'll go now, we'll go now. And so God says, no, Moses said, you can go if you want, but God's not going with you. And there was this futile attempt to go into the promised land. Now, that was Numbers 14. We're in Numbers 16. How quickly we forget. So this guy named Korah starts rounding up people and he says, Moses, you take too much on yourself. You put yourself in too great of a position. And so basically Moses said, well, I tell you what, if you think I take too much on myself, then why don't we meet out on the battlefield at high noon tomorrow, that's my translation, and we'll see whose God is really God. And so there's this showdown. And so basically what ends up happening is at the showdown, the ground opens up with an earthquake and it swallows everybody who was rebelling against the pathway of God. That was the, the Korah incident. It opens up and it swallows them. There were 250 people who wanted to do what Moses was doing, wanted to do what Aaron was doing. And so the 250 people, they had their, their fire, their incense, their smoke, all that happening, and, and immediately they were consumed. Now stay with me, this is relative. So that happened. Now, now, now stay with me for a moment, get, get this. 250 of them was consumed, the ground opened up and swallowed only the rebels, only the people who were rebelling against the way of God. And then the next day, guess what they did? They rose up and began to complain again. Wow. That sounds like us. That sounds like the country we live in. That sounds like the world that we live in. And they began to complain. And here's what God said. Okay, Moses, enough is enough. Just get out of the way. And what did Moses do? He fell to his face and began to intercede because he loved them unconditionally. Write that down. The reason that family of grace exists is to live a life of no longer I, that the love of God may be unconditional. We've been in shock of what's happening around the world. Christians being martyred, their heads being cut off by ISIS and other Muslim extremists because they believe in the name of Jesus. Turmoil is happening in the name of Jesus all around the globe. For us, it's happening like wildfire here as well. I mean... It was just last fall that everything was happening in Ferguson, Missouri. And now there was the other incidents that happened between Ferguson and Baltimore. And I don't want to spend a lot of time going through all those. But you know what they were. You, you couldn't help but miss them unless your head was in the sand somewhere. 
with the 24-hour news media. I mean, you just couldn't miss it. And so here's the thing that I want to speak to you about today. Is that I, as, this, as this week, as I have watched things unfold, while my heart has been breaking for us as a nation, a place that we have come to, I have been more encouraged, I have been more encouraged of this week than I have in the last little bit of the reason why Family of Grace exists. Because let me tell you, let's, let's, let's take this a little bit closer. Baltimore, even though it's on the northern eastern shoreboard or that part of our country, it's still quite a ways away. And while in that city, buildings are being burned, and you know everything that's happening there, craziness is abounding, and we have to be careful as members of Family of Grace in how we live. In difficult days. Because we have the propensity. I have the propensity. To want to kind of be like God. And just say Moses get out of the way. And let's just. You know let's just. Let's just take care of some business here. It's my confession. Probably get in trouble. Because this is on television. But the reality of it is. That's not the answer. We need to be like Moses. We need to be like Moses and understand that the heart of man is wicked. In sin, our mother conceived us. But you know something? There's not one child, whether they were Hispanic, whether they were African American, whether they were Caucasians, or any combination of any other race, That was born a racist. There are no children that are born racist. Racism is taught. Racism is taught and it's taught and it's it's multiplied in the circles of our influence no matter what race you're part of. But here's the reality. That family of grace exists not to build a church that would be something to... Say, wow, look how big it is, look how great it is, and look at all the amenities. But family of grace exists to impact a city for the glory of God. Family of grace does not exist to bring you to a retreat every Sunday that you can feel comfortable about coming to church and say, oh, this is my comfort zone. I can come feel warm and fuzzy and everything will be okay while I'm here for my little time out while we're here for a couple of hours during the week. No, family of grace exists for you to come and be replenished so that we can break through the racial, the cultural, the social, the generational, the economical barriers to help healthy and hurting people become all that God has intended for them to be. Family of grace exists so that we can raise up some Moses and Aaron's who will rise up and say, Lord God, everything is going to hell in the handbasket, God, but Lord, break our hearts that we may love unconditionally. That we may love unconditionally. Over the last couple of weeks of No Longer I, we've looked at several sermons. We looked at, first of all, how the soul is how we relate to God. We looked at last week how the mind relates to ourself. 
But the heart is how we relate to other people. How you relate to other people comes from the heart. The soul is connected to God. The soul is the core of the being. Matter of fact, the original language for the way we love God in the Hebrew was, I love Him from the bow, the bowels of my being. The bowels is the most center part, the deepest part of a human being. Now, now you don't see a lot of greeting cards that say, Oh, honey, happy anniversary, I love you from my bowels. Because we don't understand that. It's the core. It's the deepness of our inner being. Now the reality of this is that we love God from that place. We love ourselves from our mind. And we connect with others from our heart. Why in the world would Moses, who, listen, who if he ever had a right to say, God, just take them all out. I'm tired of them, Lord. They complain when they have bread. They complain when they have quail. Lord, they complain when we have water and it's bitter. They complain when we have too much water, Lord. They complain, they complain, they complain. Lord, we arrived at the destination and they complained that it was too great and you were too small to take care of our problem. Lord, take care of them. But you know what Moses did? He loved them unconditionally. And I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ today, that it doesn't matter what criteria or what culture group you're in at Family of Grace. It doesn't matter what race you're in at Family of Grace. It doesn't matter whether you are a millennial, a Gen Xer, a Y generation, a baby boomer, or, it, or whether you're older than that. We exist to be a family that will penetrate and live a life of no longer I, that we may impact a city for the glory of God. Today, there was three things that happened. Four, he loved them unconditionally. The plague was happening. He told Aaron, he said, son, here's what you do. I'm going to be on my face. You go get this censer, the fire pan, put the incense in it, and you run into the community. Now, here's the reality. You can chalk Missouri up and say that was just a bunch of rednecks that are racist. We can go to Baltimore, and that's a metropolitan area. And while... The, the dynamics are so different, the problem is still the same. The news media says, well, it's because there's no dads in the home. That's part of the problem. But that's not the problem, because after World War II, there was a lot of dads that didn't come home. There was a lot of fatherless children. After Vietnam, there was a lot of fatherless children. Here's the reality. Men are broken. Men hurt. Men are scared. Women are scared. They're looking for the power. They're looking for a way. They're looking for a pathway forward. And we've had this great experiment in America for the last 50 years called the war on poverty. And the government's, uh, uh, um, their, their crown jewel didn't solve the problem. More people are in poverty today than ever before. Why? Because government can't run into the community and fix it. The military can't fix the community. The police cannot fix the community. It's going to take the bride of Christ rising up and living a life no longer unto themselves, but living a life unto Christ that they may penetrate the darkness and affect the plague. Affect the plague. 
he went, he had to run and make atonement. The good part for you and I is we don't have to run and make atonement because the atonement was already made at Calvary. The atonement was already made at Calvary for us so we don't have to run and go through a religious ordinance in the community with the incense and waving the fire around because the fire of God fell. The wrath of God was appeased at Calvary. The wrath of God was appeased at Calvary. The judgment of God took place at Calvary. So what we need to do is run into the world with the cross and say, this is the way, walk you in it. I know the crowd's not coming this way, but let me tell you, don't run with the crowd. The crowd is running off a cliff. We must be willing to do like Aaron and run into the middle of the plague. The reality is the church wants to run to their home called their sanctuary. And they want to live a life of insulation. They want to live a life of comfort and ease. They want to talk about how, how, how the world's not fair to Christians. They want to talk about how, how it's, 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 you know, God, I remember back in the day. I remember back in the day. Well, you know what? Before you can remember back in the day, we can remember back in the day where there was just a handful of rebels who were disciples for Jesus who was on the pathway of a revolution. And here's what was happening. Nero, the wickedest uh, ruler around, was running around killing them left and right. But they were willing to live a life of no longer I so that they could go and affect the destinies of the world. The destinies of men and the destinies who were on our no longer I video. See, now, for us, in Alexandria, there's no buildings on fire. There's no police cars being turned over. There's no looting. But I'm going to tell you, what is causing the riots around our country, what is manifested in the hearts of those people, is present in our city. I gathered our kids together on Wednesday night and just spoke to them very real. Because you know what? I could see, man, that whole mess in Baltimore started with children, youth. And I could see some of the kids that I love involved in it. Some of the kids that I love had it happened here, they'd have probably been right in it, just going with the flow, going with the tide. But you know what needs to happen? We need men of God to rise up. The news media has reported that the gangs were the solution for some of the peace coming to Baltimore. Do you know why the gangs were out there trying to wave a ceasefire? Because there was a couple of crazy, bona fide, sealed with the Spirit, men of God who had enough backbone to go to the gangs and say, I need your help. The Bloods and the Crips didn't come together because they wanted a, a Nobel Peace Prize. They came together because there was somebody filled with the Holy Spirit who said, I need your help. And I'm going to tell you today, we exist as a family so that we can impact a city. We don't exist so that we can see how big a building we can build and how many amenities that we can put on our facility for our children. We exist to impact a city for the glory of God. What we need is men and women who are willing to rise up and run into the community and stand between the living and the dead and look for the blessing. That's what Aaron did. He took his little incense. 
I got a picture of what this would look like if you've ever been to a Catholic funeral or something. Or I mean, they got that incense and they they just swinging it on a chain. I can see Aaron, boy, he's swinging it on a chain out there in the middle of them. He said, oh, my goodness, what has my brother got me into? I'm out here to play. People are dropping down all around him. They're dropping dead, falling dead all around them. But here's one man who said, I'll stand between the living and the dead and make a difference. You know what God's called us to do? To live and stand between the living and the dead. To stand between the living and the dead, we've got to get out of our holy huddle and go out there. Now, you do a very good job at that. Living missionally, living a sent life. <laughs> Some of our family was on a good-for-nothing assignment yesterday. Well, I stopped by for just a moment in between a bunch of stuff I had to do, and just a couple of people were there. They were just like, no, this is a fundraiser. We've got to give you money. No, it's not. We want to bless our community. Well, let me get, no, we're not taking anything. We love our community. We love you. we just pouring out. We're just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We must run forward. We must stand firm. We must look for the blessing. Verse 49 says, and the plague was stopped. You know what? They're not looting buildings. They're not tearing up, burning down things here in Alexandria, Louisiana. But you know what? I went to a funeral yesterday of a 13-year-old boy who committed suicide. And the same night that he took his life, another teenager from Ash took his life. This one kid went to Grace Christian School, was in the middle, of, surrounded by religion, but was still hopeless. Going to Bible classes, going to chapel, going to all those things every week, but was still hopeless. That's just one weekend. One weekend. On my street where I live not long ago, there was a double homicide. Two teenagers were killed. Not long ago, right down the street, two kids that we impact on, on Wednesday night were killed right down the street on Bolton. Not long ago in City Park, there was, there was a lady that was killed. Just a week or so ago, there was a school teacher who was beaten. Not long ago, somebody drove by on Easter Sunday morning and decided just to shoot up my wife's car with a BB gun. Knocked out the windows, put little BB holes down the side of it. I mean, look, 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 look. Here's what I want you to realize. Lean in for a minute. We may not see the stores being looted. We may not see the cop cars being burned in the streets. But I want you to know hopelessness abounds. And I am telling you that I have a solution. It is the bride of Christ. It is the bride of Christ living a life of no longer I, living on purpose so that we can, just like in our no longer I video testimony of destiny, run in front of the destinies of the world so that we can change their destiny for all of eternity. That's what it's all about. Just like last week, we talked about how we come along beside people who find themselves in hardships, how we respond. How do, we, how do you stop abortion one life at a time? How do you stop murder one life at a time? One of the greatest voices of reason right now is, is, is the player from the Saints, Benjamin Watts. I mean, I heard him on television yesterday. He said, the problem is people need Jesus. The problem is it's a heart problem. The problem is religion's not going to fix it. More programs are not going to fix it. It's people living missionally, living a sent life in a broken world. Would you join me on that journey? Would you join me on that journey? Now, here's what you need to pray for this morning. Show me, Lord, where my place is. 
Show me, Lord, where my position is. Show me, Lord, where my brokenness is. Hey, guys, anybody can repost something on Facebook and let that be your venting. That's not what we need. We may need to ask God to come to this altar and say, God, search the innermost parts of my heart. Hey, guys, if we don't protect our hearts right now, listen to me. Get this. I don't care what side you're on. I don't care what generation group, what economic group, what culture group, what race group you're part of. If we don't protect our hearts, if we don't guard our hearts, it could sabotage the whole mission of why Family of Grace exists. Because you can't, listen, how tragic it would be to scale the barriers and then start throwing hand grenades when you get to where the place you were trying to be. And I know that you fear Hillary, some of you fear Hillary Clinton being president. Some of us have a holy indignation burning in our guts for things we see on TV, for politicians and all those things. But I want you to think very carefully before you repost something on Facebook. Think very carefully before you send out a mass email. Lest you alienate the very people you're trying to reach. Everybody's not like you. Everybody's not like me. We live in a broken world. And the only remedy is the cross. The only remedy is the resurrection. The only remedy is people who are filled with the Spirit run into a broken community and say, this is what I know. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. Dark is the sin that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. A crimson tide of the blood of Jesus from the cross of Calvary. The grace of God. I'm asking you to join me on what seems to be an insurmountable task. But it's not if we infect one heart with hope. One heart with love. One heart with peace. Now, now here's why this is a problem and I'm done. Because in the name of religion, no matter what denomination you may be part of or have been part of or desire to be part of, religion just says Jesus is, Jesus is enough. And I know He is. He's enough for your salvation. He's enough for transformation. But some people, God doesn't save sober. They struggle the rest of their life with trying to be walk in victory. You see, the problem is that Jesus is enough for our salvation, but after that, we still live in this fleshly body that craves carnality. 
And what God needs is people who are not willing to say, Jesus loves you, I'll bless you, be warm and be filled. But he needs people who are willing to walk along the journey with them. Walk along the journey with them. And here's why we prefer to stay in our holy huddle. Because it's scary. It's frustrating. It's expensive. It's dirty. It's dirty because sinners sin. And it's unpopular. Family of Grace exists to live a life as a church of no longer I. So that we can help change the destinies.